This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It looks like we have two years to figure out how to get along without single-use plastic like bags, straws, cutlery, maybe stir sticks, cotton swabs, and some types of styrofoam. As you heard in Maria's news, the Prime Minister made the official announcement this morning, and we are following the European Union on this. Now, apparently, only 9% of the stuff that we put into those blue bins actually gets recycled. The rest ends up in landfills. And of course, we have all seen those horrific pictures of fish and birds with plastic coming out of their bodies. Uh, Environment and Climate Change Canada says we throw away more than 34 million plastic bags every day, and those often wind up in landfills. Uh, we are planning to take your calls in a bit, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And first, we are going to go to MPP Mike Schreiner, who is the leader of the Green Party of Ontario. Hello, Mike. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. And what is your reaction to this? Well, I think it's a good move uh, for Canada to uh, phase in a ban on single-use plastics. It's something the Green Party, both of Ontario and Canada, have been calling for uh, because our oceans are swimming in plastic. Our lakes, rivers, and streams are swimming in plastic. I mean, some estimates are that if we don't take action now, we'll have more plastic in, in the oceans and our, in our waterways than fish by uh, in just in two decades. And is this going far enough? And do you think we need all of this consultation? Well, we will need a, a phase in and some consultation to make sure it's it's done properly and it's done in a in a way that um, doesn't uh, overly disrupt operations. And I'll, I'll give you one quick example of that. So, people in the disability community have concerns around banning plastic straws. Because many people with disabilities uh, require a pla- require a straw to be able to drink, and so making sure that we have proper alternatives in place, like metal straws, paper straws, and things like that, um, are important to give businesses time to, you know, already use inventory they they've stocked, uh, but also just to make sure that it's done uh, in a proper way that gives businesses the opportunity to to respond. Um, I think a two year time frame makes sense. I, it's funny you mentioned straws. I'm holding and I'm holding it up to the camera here, this uh, metal straw, which frankly is pretty nasty. It's huge. I, I don't really need to use straws at all, but uh, uh, I, this uh, I don't think would be the solution, frankly. Yeah. Well, you know, Libby, I have seen some, so there's a number, so I, my writing is Guelph. And there's a number of restaurants here in Guelph that uh, have banned plastic straws uh, in the last couple of years. And a number of them have very high-functioning, good paper straws, which are recyclable. Uh, and I have seen metal straws. I have some metal straws that I, I travel with when I'm traveling around the province. 
uh, that are quite small, actually, and, and uh, quite easy to use and easy to clean. So there certainly are alternatives out there, but just making sure that we have a long enough phase-in time that those alternatives are widely available, especially for people in this particular case in the disability community. Uh, one of the things, I mean, I've seen polls that said, okay, most Canadians are on side with this completely, but they don't want to pay more. And when you look at the different packaging options that will be available for uh, the food business or whatever, they're all a lot more expensive. You know, in some ways, Libby, this is exactly why you need a phase-in time for businesses to come up with affordable alternatives, to scale up those alternatives, because oftentimes the cost differential is less about the cost of the production, but more about the scale. So once you're producing such high volumes, your per unit costs go down. The other thing is, is this is actually going to save municipalities money. In the province of Ontario, for example, municipal governments spend close to $200 million a year managing the Blue Box program, the recycling program. You know, the, the, if we start looking at, you know, reduce, reuse, and then recycle in that order, too often we start with recycle and then we sort of think of reduce and reuse as an afterthought. That has huge cost to municipal property taxpayers. So the more, especially now that countries like, you know, China isn't processing uh, and recycling plastic waste anymore. I mean, we're all familiar with the barges that are being returned from the Philippines at a huge cost to Canada. So if we can, um, one, reduce the amount of plastic going into the waste stream, and whether that's in the landfill, which, by the way, we, we put about 3 million tons either in the landfill or incineration, um, because we're only recycling about 9% of plastic right now, but the more we can move that out of the waste stream, that's going to save municipal property taxpayers money. Because it, it also seems, I know, you know, speaking personally, the trying to figure out what you can actually put in a blue box is really difficult, even though there are waste wizards and it's a moving target. It's very difficult for people. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and part of it is, is, you know, you might live in one city and that city has um, certain things that are allowable in the blue box. And then, you know, you move to another city and they have a completely different uh, list of what's allowable in the blue box. And so the more we can standardize this across the province and frankly, across the country, uh, one, it's going to actually ultimately be cheaper for manufacturers then because they can still scale up more standard production. Uh, but it's also just going to be so much easier for people to figure out, like, what you can recycle, what you can't recycle. And, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, and this is something that Ontario is looking at right now, and I'm a strong supporter of this, is shifting the cost of um, waste and recycling off of taxpayers and putting it onto business. And the reason why it's good to do that is that then creates market incentives for entrepreneurs to figure out ways to reduce waste, to come up with alternative, you know, bio-based plastics as an example that can be biodegradable. There, there are many things that entrepreneurs can do to come up with solutions, provided there's government policy that creates those incentives. And at the end of the day, municipal property taxpayers will save money. Well, yeah, I'm sure the business community wouldn't be very happy about that. They already uh, form, you know, much of the tax base. No, I tell you what, Libby, I've had a number of businesses, uh, particularly we have a bioproducts institute here at the University of Guelph, and there's also the Bioindustrial Institute in Sarnia. Uh, a lot of businesses already are coming up with um, alternatives to uh, petroleum-based plastics, 
and uh, are quite excited. So in Ontario, for example, if we can take you know what would be waste products now off of our farms, like corn stover, for instance, and turn that into plastics for car components, or even turn it into you know biodegradable, uh, non-petroleum-based plastic bags and things like that. Those are huge opportunities for businesses, especially Ontario businesses, because you know we don't have a lot of oil and gas here in Ontario. So if we can come up with alternative methods of production, it'll be good for our economy and our environment. Uh, Mike Schreiner, what would you like to leave us with on this issue? Well, I think it's great that Canada is joining the EU and taking leadership to reduce plastic pollution, and uh, I think we should be, a, you know, I think we should be applaud ourselves for that and and feel good about that. And ultimately, it's going to save us money in the long run. Okay, Mike Schreiner, head of the Green Party. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. And now we are going to bring in Joanne St. Goddard, Executive Director at the Recycling Council of Ontario, and Adrian Midwood, the Executive Director of Plastic Oceans Canada. Hello and welcome to you both. Hello. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Okay. Let us start with you, Joanne. What's your reaction to this? We're uh, um, uh, very encouraged by the announcement today. Um, this problem is enormous, and it's going to take a multi-pronged approach. And what we heard and understand from the announcement today is that uh, the government committed to several different initiatives that together are, are, are very promising and, and very comprehensive. Adrian, is this enough? Uh, is this, uh, do we need all this consultation? Don't we know? Um, I think that we the science is pretty much done. I'd like to I do like seeing that um, we are moving forward. Uh, bans have been being pushed in a lot of different municipalities around Canada for quite some time. So it's good to just see the momentum moving in the right direction. Okay, Joanne. One of the things I I hope this is not a, a, a stupid question, but when I see the term single use and I see say those plastic bags uh, in the supermarket that you use to put your fruit in, I mean. I use them a lot more than once. What makes something a single use aside from, you know, something that ha- would have a food mess on it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think um, single use, you know, maybe a limiting term. I think, you know, let's take the plastic bag for an example. I think where where that's concerned, I mean, the intent of, of it really, and I think broadly they are single used only once, but the uh, reality is where bags are concerned, there's actually an alternative. Many of the retailers, retailers, grocery stores that we do business with as customers provide you with an alternative, a reusable one, one that can be used over and over and over again, and then actually washed and continue to be used. So, you know, so really, um, that's that's what this part of the regulation is aimed at. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, even the, you know, there are different kinds of plastic bags in the supermarket. There's the one you take your stuff home in, and then there's the little ones mm-hmm. that you put stuff into. Um, but I guess, uh, we have to go back to, uh, the old ways of, uh, you know, wrapping food up and, and keeping it fresh. Adrian, how big a learning curve is this? I don't think it's really that big of a learning curve. It's just going back to simple steps. I mean, you're, you're referencing those um, bags you put your vegetables and fruit yeah. in. We actually supply a shopping kit at Plastic Oceans that has six of those reusable produce bags mm-hmm. and then also a natural linen reusable shopping bag. So that eliminates 700 single-use bags a year per person, and all those proceeds go to small grants across Canada. So as, as we were just hearing, there are alternatives, and it just 
takes the everyday person or businesses to support everyone in, in providing those alternatives to people. Joanne, what do you find are the biggest problems? I mean, this I find the number 9% of the stuff in the blue bins getting recycling uh, getting recycled. I, f- I find that shocking. But again, I know at home, uh, we have a lot of confusion. Yeah, I think you have to remember it's 9% of all plastics in all categories put onto the marketplace. So, you know, we often think about or limit our thinking to the blue box and, and you know, sort of packaging and, and that related to food. But really, when you think about the um, the broad scope of plastics that are used in all different industries, um, and, and, and into the industrial commercial sector, you know, the blue box only represents a very small part of just the plastics that we typically find in packaging in our homes. So 9% is, is all of the plastics in all of these categories. So we you know, the blue box is really doing a good thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, a very common and convenient and well used collection program that gets up part of the plastic materials that need to go to recycling. But, um, you know, the other 90% is where we work, where we play um, in industrial settings and construction and renovation, demolition. Um, so, so we have to think more broadly than just packaging and, and what goes into the blue box. Okay, let's take a call from Rudy in Toronto. I'm having trouble taking this. Just a minute. Hello? Hello, Rudy, are you there? Hi, yes, I'm here. Yes, you're on the air. Go ahead. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm a, a volunteer recycling coordinator for my building at, at Bathurst and Eglinton, and I, I observe a lot of things that are going on uh, that uh, are, are uh, wrong with recycling. Uh, people are still putting their recycling in black or green garbage bags, and that's a, that's no good. Everything in those bags winds up in the garbage. Recycling should be in clear bags or just loose in the bin. And... Uh, I, I, uh, when I, I'm walking down the street, I often see these little, uh, plastic wraps from, from cigarette packages, these clear ones, and I, I pick those up and throw them out because eventually they might, they get blown into the water and they can, they can choke an animal, a fish or, or some other, uh, by getting into, into their mouths. And so, uh, I'm so happy to, to see that the, uh, plastic pollution is being taken seriously by our government, finally. Okay, thanks, Rudy, for your call. Uh, I'd like to ask a question about business. We were talking about that a few minutes ago with Mike Schreiner and the responsibility of business. And Here's an example. Uh, we bought a new electric toothbrush, and it was packaged in such hard plastic, literally, I could not get it open with the scissors, I had to give it to somebody who's stronger than I am. What about packaging like that that I'm assuming is intended to stop theft more than it is to help anybody else? Joanne? Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think you're quite right. I think usually I think it's it's a blister pack that that I'm envisioning as you describe as you describe. It's the not a blister you... pack, but it was so hard, literally, right. I I couldn't I couldn't cut into it with the scissors. Right. Wait, and I think you could be quite right. It could be, it could be about, you know, um, protecting it during transportation. It could be about theft. But, you know, I think you and hit the nail on the head. I think, um, you know, businesses are going to have to uh, become more innovative. They're going to have to look at different alternatives uh, because of that particular plastic. A, you're having a hard time getting at it as a consumer. But B, if you've got nowhere to actually, you know, send it for, for recycling, 
then then we got to sort of question the choices that we're making in terms of the types of, of packaging and the materials that we're using. I think part of the announcement today that included um, extending the responsibility to manufacturers and brand owners and retailers that are putting products and packaging onto the marketplace to extend their their responsibility uh, for these kinds of materials uh, when we're finished with them, that's a really important motivator to push from government to say that you need to be part of the solution. And I think when those costs um, and businesses are challenged with that, um, they will innovate and they and that's what they do well. So that's you know another part of of the the uh, the the strong points that that were committed to today by the government of Canada. Now, just be, before I I ask Adrian his opinion, are those hard plastics recyclable? Um, in most cases, they are. The, the the plastics that have a number one and number two in the middle of the sort of it's called the Mobius loop, but the recycling symbol are generally have a strong market value, um, and still even in these global conditions, um, it's the more flexible packages that have have a tough time. But having said that, you know, what what I've seen, and, I'm, and, and again, I'm picturing the toothbrush, it's, it's probably got a combination of paper and plastic in the package itself. And when you have a combination of two materials, then it, it is typically tougher to recycle. Okay. Adrian, what about businesses that, that use, I mean, really, uh, you know, a lot of, from the consumer's point of view, would, would be unnecessary I mean, uh, sorry, I'm not clear on the question there. You mean? Um, I mean, we... wh- how do you approach businesses that are packaging things in a way that is, you know, it makes it more difficult for a consumer? Not. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, we need to get more, you know, broader, extended producer responsibility, like we're talking about. It has worked over here in BC, and then manufacturers that are creating packaging for their material, they just have to. I think there should be some sort of an incentive for making it easier to recycle, like we we're just hearing about. I mean, if we have packages that have that combination of paper and hard plastics, but then all of a sudden it becomes difficult if they don't separate everything, there should be some sort of a reward for businesses to make the recycling process easier. Now, a lot of the announcements are really focusing on the single-use plastics, um, and that's really important to, to get into that minimization because it is, I guess, well, it's not really recycled very often if you start looking at all these soft plastics and bags and straws and such. So if we focus on the reduction there, I think that's why the government's focusing on those topics. And then when you start looking at the other sides, I think extended producer responsibility is a great way. Um, and what about consumers, Adrian? So I've I've seen the studies that says most consumers are on side, but they don't want to pay more. And at least currently the options for, you know, more environmentally friendly packaging are, are much more expensive. It's, so it's, it's a really tricky conversation talking about environmentally friendly packaging. I heard uh, your previous guest talking about bioplastics and some other alternatives. That's, um, there's a lot of greenwashing going on there, and it's not as simple as most people think. So if you, I mean, if it's plant-based and compostable, then you still need a proper composting facility for it to go to. Um, we've done some tests over here with the various different groups in BC on actually composting these plant-based and compostable plastic alternatives, and there's really nowhere for them to go, and they also can't be recycled properly. So, I mean, those are the more expensive items, but I think um, really just reduction in alternatives is number one. 
because because it is a false economy when you start looking at these cheap single-use items that are throwaway. The cost associated with cleaning them up and the damage that they do is a lot more. So I think the consumers in Canada, the social conscious is high enough. I think people are happy to put a little capital investment into having reusable items and just making sure that they use them. Okay, let's take a call from Clay and Ajax. Hello, Clay. Hi, how are you today? Fine, how are you? Not bad. Sometimes when you're, you order stuff, maybe you open it up, they've got these foam peanuts in there, eh? Yep. Or plastic peanuts. Why Why can't they use cardboard or paper instead of that? Like, sometimes you get stuff and it has like a hardboard, hard cardboard in it. Yep. At least that stuff would be recyclable. But those plastic peanuts or foam peanuts, what do you do with them? Uh, good question. You know, like, uh, I don't know where you're supposed to put them. I know that a lot of the places that recycling, they don't want to take foam, eh? Uh, Joanne, is that right? Yeah, he's quite right. Um, they're very difficult to, first of all, they're lightweight and they blow away, so you, it's really difficult to put them in your blue box because they're going to end up all over your, your yard or your laneway uh, or the street. And, and generally, they're very, very difficult because and, of their size and, and the makeup uh, of the material to, to have them consistently recycled. So, um, you know, he's, he's posed, uh, your caller has posed a great, you know, alternative. Why, are, why do we insist on using on using those styrofoam um, uh, when there is a, a paper or cardboard alternative. Yep. Uh, let's uh, take one more call from Ralph in Rockwood. Hi, Ralph. Hey, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Go ahead. Um, listen, I'd like to just uh, ask one question and maybe make a couple of comments. First of all, single-use plastic, most of the items we buy in the store are single-use. If you look at uh, pop cans, uh, pickles, foot jars, uh, cans for soup. We use them once, but we put it in a recycle bin. It's not just plastic that's being uh, the problem here. It's our uh, communities who don't recycle properly. If the governments would learn about these things and how to recycle these items, things would be much better. So it's not just single-use plastic. I hate that term. Well, yeah, they're, that's what they're doing first. Uh, Ralph, I hear you. Thanks for your call. Uh, we are starting to run out of time on this. So, uh, Joanne St. Godard, what would you like to leave us with on this? Yeah, I, I, I think um, the, the, the attention being paid to plastic globally, it's, it's a Canadian announcement we have today, but this is an issue that has reached a threshold that is not just an environmental problem. It is an economic one because now we're in, in cleanup mode. And, and I'm pretty sure the taxpayers of Canada and elsewhere don't want to be spending, governments to be spending money on cleanup. So, you know, the, the, the number of initiatives that have been announced today are really trying to get at the root of the problem and, and trying to focus on prevention. And, uh, you know, we, we need to stand behind, you know, these, these bold announcements. Um, and and um, they've set an important framework for us to to help solve the problem and then and then move into prevention. So so we're pretty excited about that. Okay, and Adrian Midwood. I couldn't agree more. I just I think it's great to see after all these years um, that this topic actually has got to where it needs to be. We've been fighting for many years to have plastic regarded the same as oil because at the end of the day it is just solid oil that's polluting our earth. So um, it's just nice to see the momentum. We just did a great cleanup on World Oceans Day on Saturday and the reduction we're seeing already on the major contributors such as straws and bags and such are 
they're just way less than they were even 12 months ago. So it's great to see, and I think everyone's got a lot more work to do, but we're headed in the right direction. Okay, thank you both, Joanne St. Goddard and Adrian Midwood. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.